What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Renewable Energy Smart Pod. I'm your host, Sean McMahon, and today we're going to be talking to Horace Luke, the founder and CEO of Gogoro. Gogoro's battery swapping technology aims to help electrify the transportation sector. And if you're listening to this podcast, you might already know that transportation is one of the sectors that produces the most greenhouse gas emissions, and efforts are already underway to tackle the problem. Airlines are working on sustainable fuels. Long-haul trucking is being electrified. Even the shipping industry has gotten into the act and started to pivot to greener fuels. And oh, just in case you've been living under a rock for the last decade or so, consumer automobiles are also going electric with the help from some guy named Elon. Perhaps you've heard of him? So where does Gogoro fit into this electrification puzzle? If you'll pardon the pun, what is this battery-swapping company's lane? The answer is two-wheel vehicles. No, I'm not talking about electric bikes like the ones you see kids zooming around everywhere these days. I mean, seriously, do any kids actually pedal bikes anymore? Gogoro's network of batteries is powering the scooters that are massively popular in urban areas across Asia. This is a huge challenge, especially when you consider the billions of miles commuters on two-wheelers travel each year. Yep, billions. Electrifying those miles would be a very big deal. And it's okay if you're wondering right about now what battery swapping technology even is. Horace is going to share more about the technology Gogoro deploys and the vision the company, which was recently listed on the NASDAQ, has for the future of swappable batteries. Here's a hint. It's a future that extends far beyond transportation. Looking ahead, pretty soon I'll be talking to John Belazer, the founder and CEO of Saluna Computing. John is going to join the show to talk about how sustainable computing can play a crucial role in making renewable energy projects more profitable and maybe, just maybe, clean up the image of cryptocurrency mining. Crypto mining has taken a bit of a beating recently, but John has a different perspective. It's one he recently shared on Capitol Hill when he testified before Congress, and one that might make you see crypto mining as something that will help, rather than hurt, grid resiliency and the growth of renewables. That episode's coming up soon, but for now, let's get today's conversation rolling. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for this episode of the Renewable Energy Smart Pod. I'm very excited to have our guest joining us today from Taiwan. Horace Luke is the founder and CEO of Gogoro. Horace, how are you doing today? Hey, Sean, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. There's a lot of exciting things going on in your world these days. Uh, the company you know, just was listed on the NASDAQ. Uh, you're one of the leading companies around the world in battery swapping technology. And so I want to kind of have you come on and talk to our listeners a little bit about that. So let's start from the very beginning. What are the basics here? What is battery swapping? People in the West most often don't realize is how much the people in the East depends on two-wheelers in order to go about their everyday life, right? Over 50% of all urban commute miles done daily around the world is done on two wheels. In just China, India, and Taiwan alone, we're talking about half a billion two wheelers rolling around, taking people, you know, to be, taking people to work, picking kids up from school, going to the supermarket, et cetera, et cetera. But yet the urban environment that these vehicles are in, it's impossible for them to be electrified. I mean, we, 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 you know, we, we now hear about electric vehicle. I mean, on four-wheel space, you got the Tesla, you got, you know, Lucid, you got everybody, you know, from, from four-wheelers to semi-trucks, you know, electrifying. But two-wheeler, you know, if you look at cities across the East, 
you know, it's really difficult for these two wheelers to be to be electrified because it's just impossible to find places to park. Therefore, it's impossible to find places to to to, to recharge your vehicle. So that's kind of where where the aha moment came in for Gogoro was really about you know battery not included. You know, instead of owning your battery, instead of having to wait to charge it, you know, out in the open, you know, you you're swapping in seconds. So you know, you buy a vehicle. It doesn't come with a battery. You subscribe to the battery, just like you buy an iPhone or Android phone in the U.S. It does come. It does not come with a mobile plan, right? You got your device, and then you sign up for a mobile plan. Same thing with us. We we're now working with a number of vehicle makers. You know, we work on on top of our own brand. We're working with Yamaha. We're working with Suzuki Taiwan. We're working with A A Motor and Aon. We're working with PGO and a number of other vehicle makers to build vehicles that are compatible with our swapping network. So instead of charging the battery, you simply buy the buy the vehicle and then you subscribe to the network through a number of variety of plans that we got, starting from like let's say ten bucks you know a month for about sixty miles, and then anything over sixty miles you pay incrementally on top of. All the way to there are a couple of plans in between. All the way to all you can ride, uh, and the ability for you to pay like forty, fifty bucks, and you can ride as much as you ever want you know, on a two wheeler uh, per month. And through throughout the city, you would simply, when the battery goes low, you stop by one of our stations, and then you swap it out uh, in seconds. So going from zero view to one hundred percent fuel in just seconds. Yeah, and I want to talk about those charging stations for a bit. They're called Go stations. Is that right? Yeah, they're called ghost stations. Think of them as really like um, like uh, Coca-Cola vending machine size, okay? They're a little bit bigger than that, but they're placed in places like uh, convenience store, supermarket, uh, universities, underneath apartment buildings in, 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 in kind of apartment complexes, uh, at gas stations, uh, at bus stops and train stops, and very conveniently placed. And you know, in Taiwan, we've been doing this since 2015. Today, we have more location than gas station in urban centers in, in the cities. By the end of this year, across the entire island of Taiwan, we'll have more swapping location than we do with, uh, with gas stations. We just ship our one millionth battery, and we have almost about half a million riders on the network swapping batteries literally several times a second. Uh, our network is fully autonomized. Uh, people go and just you know swap batteries on their own. It's it just refueling in seconds. And so, how many batteries are at each charging station? I mean, I, I'm sure they vary by size, but you know, give me the range. Yeah, they vary by size. They vary from like 30, 30 batteries all the way up to you know a little more than 100. You know, a, a small scale station services you know several hundred customers. Uh, and then you got you know the large scale stations that what we call super go stations. They service, you know, well over a thousand customers. Uh, people come in every, you know, several days, every three, three days or so. They come in and swap a battery. The best way to think about it for Americans is Blue Rhino, you know, the, 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 the propane gas tank yeah, yeah. for barbecues. Yeah. Kind of like that. Kind of okay. like that. But the batteries are much smaller. I've got to make it clear. The batteries are much smaller than the old heavy propane tank. They're kind of a, they exactly. look to me like kind of like, like one of those portable speakers like a JBL or a Bose speaker that you can yeah, kind of yeah, carry yeah, around yeah. like how, how much do these yeah. things weigh like uh they I go, you know I've been living in Taiwan for so long I go by kilograms they 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 weigh 10 kilograms so kind of like a jug of milk about a jug okay. of milk and you just kind of lift up the seat plug it in plug it in and, and rock and roll and get going huh exactly right and it's uh high power terminals are physical 
the connect, communication terminals are through wi- uh, through, through uh, NFC, through wireless. And so it's environmental proof, is completely waterproof. You know, rainy day, you plug it, you know, you take it out of the vehicles, plug in our station, our station do the analytics. Did you pay your bill? You know, what's your profile? You know, what's, you know, how much have you written? Get all that data out, transfer that data into the new set of batteries and then eject two batteries so we can put it in your trunk. We can do it in, you know, about, you know, several seconds. And, uh, and it's, it's a great user experience for the consumer. And when, before we started in Taiwan, uh, there was really less than 1% of two wheelers that were sold that was electric. Last year, we ended the year with about, in Taipei, about 26% market share. So one out of four vehicles sold is actually a GoGo and GoGo partner vehicle. And then that, what's perhaps most, most important is that that represented 95% of all, um, all electric vehicles sold, our battery swapping. So we're not only you know, a game changer in this equation, but also definitely, you know, the de facto standard as we host. I think in Taiwan now we have uh, 45 or 40, 40, 43 or 45 different um, vehicle models. So you want ones that are high performance. We got it. You want ones that are three wheelers. We got it. We got ones that are like super low performance and super easy to ride. We got that too. Uh, we got tall ones for a big family so they can actually, you know, grab a whole family and put it on it. Or you got a single rider one, you know, it's just a variety of, of vehicles using the identical same uh, swapping network. So think of us as really a, a technology platform guy, you know, I always say we're the Android of EV or the Windows Intel of computing. Uh, we create technology that enable other people to build great vehicles uh, on, on in addition to our vehicles that we build. Yeah, that's funny you said Android because that's what I was thinking too. I was like, this is they're building kind of the the platform that everyone can use to power their vehicles. Um, what what kind of energy sources do you use to power the the network of charging stations? You know, this is a renewable podcast. Are you guys using renewable energies for energy for that? Yeah, Taiwan the renewable renewable energy is is starting to come up. It's predominantly not renewable today, but it's it's making it there. We will prioritize that as as uh, it's available. Uh, what's interesting is that it's you know just not just the renewable energy that's important, but also when you take energy and also how you how you how you're being part of the grid. So a good example of of, of how we do things is uh, all our stations are connected to our central nervous system, so to speak, our, our central server. So most recently we announced a, a, a partnership with NLX, the world's largest uh, VPP or virtual power plant uh, provider, to basically do demand response. So. Uh, if the grid, you know, the grid needs to balance at about 65 hertz, right? And 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 in the next 10 minutes, if they, they see a surge coming, you know, they ask everybody around town to, to basically contribute by slowing down or stopping their, their energy use. Well, we actually have a smart system in the background that actually allows us to do that. We not only look at the way that you ride and how you use energy, but also because of that, we can predict when it is that we need to actually charge these batteries just in time to get ready for the consumer to pick up. In between then, we can actually be a good grid participant by either, you know, participating in demand response by slowing down our charge. And of course, you know, with that comes some revenue stream that comes inbound because of, you know, because of demand response uh, participation. But also on top of that, our stations are bi-directionally ready. So we're also working with Thai Power, the, the, the single uh, energy provider in Taiwan, to actually push the energy back into the grid. Today, we have close to about 200 megawatt hour of, of uh, 
of battery uh, on the on the side of the road at any given time. That is a great opportunity for us to participate in distributed storage all throughout the city. So that's something that we're 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 absolutely working on. Uh, and then on top of that, we are most recently we uh, announced several other use of our battery outside of uh, mobility. Uh, we're using our portable battery to power things like smart parking meter pole. So you know you're from Portland, so you know you know there there are parking meters that actually uses solar you know to to power itself. But unfortunately, in a city like Taipei. Or in a lot of emerging countries that I, I I'm going into, the you know the ability to see sun is actually next to none. Uh, not only are buildings tall, but also at the same time, you know the sky is gray, right? The sky is extremely polluted. So instead of using solar, we're using our portable battery to power these smart parking pole for uh, 27 days. So every 27 days, you know somebody goes out and swap a battery. And that extends the life use of these batteries beyond mobility, you know. And and for most of the listeners, they know that you know electric vehicle batteries get to close to retirement at eighty percent of SOC, right, of, of available uh, energy. Well, instead of recycling, we really our, ourselves and inside our company really believe in sustainability and reusability. We just announced uh, you know, several weeks ago our partnership with the city to to back up stoplights. You know, uh, the Taiwan government. Uh, is really looking to improve safety when it comes to rolling brownouts. You know, in cities that I'm going into, in, in Jakarta, in Ojimin City, in in cities across India, it's a big headache. You know, power goes out and then stoplight goes out. Nobody, you know, traffic jam and accidents happen. You know, we can actually put batteries there at every one of the stoplights to power it for three hours. So, you know, while the while the power dips out, we are keeping keeping traffic, you know, going. Uh, in a very safe and predictable way. So, you know, it's not just about mobility. It's about, you know, smart, portable power that can be powering cities for for the future. Yeah, I love what you're saying about kind of being able to push the power back from the charging stations to the grid because, I mean, that's obviously a really hot topic here in the U.S. right now. Even even the vehicle to, to home power. I mean, you know, I'm one of those people who's on the waiting list for a Ford F-150 Lightning. And, they, you know, one of the selling points there is it can power your home for a couple of days. And, you know, when we have these, these blackouts and power outages, so, so that's fascinating. So, uh, and you said earlier, you're kind of right now, you're obviously, you know, huge in the two wheel space. You've got models that you offer that are three wheels. Any thoughts on going to four wheel and kind of challenging some of the, the big companies you mentioned, you know, the Teslas, the Rivian, things like that, or are you going to kind of stay two and three wheel? Yeah. I, you know, I think four wheels is a, is a, is a great market, but it's a little too, I moved to the yeast because I really wanted to solve the problem with the yeast. And, the, and, and in the yeast, you know, a good example of, uh, of usage of two wheels. In India, 80% of all commute miles done every day is done on two wheelers. 60% of all gasoline spent every year is spent on two wheelers. It's a gigantic problem to solve. You know, we want to focus on two wheels and three wheelers, solve that so that we have a better future for our future generation. In, in a four wheeler, you got sofas, you got stereo system, you got windshields, you got air conditioner, you got a lot of things you need to move around. The energy efficiency of a four wheeler is really a fraction of what it is on a two wheeler. You know, I'm able to go a hundred kilometer or sixty miles with just three point four, you know, three point four kilowatt hour of energy. You can't do that in a four wheeler. You know, you need easily five times more than that energy in order to actually go the same distance. So we, you know, in order to go four wheelers, we need to actually get the energy the energy density up so that we can get the usability easier to swap out those batteries. But in the meantime, a huge market, right? 
half a billion two wheelers moving around in in Asia alone that requires us, you know, people like us to really pay some attention to. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. It sounds like you're saying where the where the batteries are most efficient right now. So, um, and you mentioned some of the markets you're in: Taiwan, India. Tell my listeners a little bit about what does your footprint look like right now, and what's the plan going forward the next couple of years. We have over the last several years um, proved our model in Taiwan. Uh, we, you know, we we started the company back in 2011. Spent about four or five years developing the the first wave of technology, and then it's kind of like uh, with the network, it's kind of like a sim, it's, it's like SimCity. You have to have live network in order to develop the tools and systems and algorithm to to actually run it. Everything in you know that you simulate might not be the same as how people use it. And so over the last couple of years, we've actually developed a lot of tools and systems to get ready for expansion. Today, we are in uh, all of Taiwan. Uh, we have about half a million riders in Taiwan using about you know, 11,000 cabinets, you know, the swap stick cabinets in 2,000 something, 2,200 locations. Uh, so you know, the model is kind of proven. We've got our system ready. We've you know, expanded into Korea with uh, food delivery uh, to power basically last mile to be clean. Uh, you know, no vibration, no, no heat, no, no, no smelly for your, for your food, which is good. Uh, we are also enabling a partner called Tier in, uh, in Germany to do ride sharing, uh, as well as, you know, we've created ride sharing in, you know, that's called GoShare that is hundred percent owned by us in Taiwan also as well. Uh, we started a pilot in Jakarta, uh, with GoTo and GoJack. If you don't know, that's the largest, uh, technology company in Indonesia that also just went public, uh, has 2 million riders on that network getting ready to go fully electric. You know, in Japan, we do a uh, uh, holiday rental and, and try to get, you know, tourism to be clean. So we kind of dabbled in a, a, lot, a lot of different things at the moment. You know, on, on, uh, on April the 5th, we went public on the NASDAQ, getting, for the, getting ready for the moment to, to expand and getting the needed resources and the partnership that it takes to go into places like India, China, Indonesia, and many other emerging markets. And that's kind of our big next step for us um, to, to really, you know, we secured a, a, a really good amount of uh, resources for ourselves to be able to go expand. And that's a, that's a huge step for us. Uh, China, we start deploying in Hangzhou, in Wuxi, and Kunming, uh, a couple more cities to come in the later part of the year as our vehicle makers get ready to commercialize. In Jakarta, we're working on expanding our pilot to a couple thousand vehicles. You know, it's, it's really, market will take time to, to develop. And we're just at that cusp of that moment where we're going to take advantage of this kind of trend toward electric to, to commercialize. Any, any plans to, to push into the United States? You know, I have lots of friends. I, you can tell from my accent, I grew up on the West Coast. I, <laughs> you know, I grew up in Seattle and I, I, I spent some time in Portland you know, lots of friends going, hey, man, I, what about my backyard? You know, to be very honest with you, we, we are looking at, at places in the United States, but they're not of the priority at the, at the moment for us. The world has a big problem with pollution in places like, you know, Ho Chi Minh City, places like Jakarta, places like Taipei here, uh, places like, you know, many, many, many cities across China and India. You know, we're just so focused with the limited resources we have to do a great job getting into those markets today. Yeah, that makes sense. And plus, I mean, the two-wheeler adoption, like you mentioned, there's so many more trips taking place you know, in Asia than there is here in the US. Obviously, you're, you're now public uh, on the NASDAQ, and I was digging into some of your early backers. You have quite, a, quite an impressive list. Kind of talk to me about how that process went you know, in the buildup to being listed. 
Well, we've been we've been very fortunate to be very honest with you. You know, we, we started with a simple thesis, right? So, you know, computing has done great, right? The fact that you and I are talking on podcasts has to do with our computers, has to do with, you know, I, I started my career, you know, at, at Nike, and then eventually a friend of mine said, Hey, the internet is gonna change everything. You gotta go check it out. So I, I drove, you know, packed my stuff in, in Portland, drove up to Seattle, joined Microsoft, eventually became the career director of, uh, of Xbox, one of the early founders. How'd that work out? Did Xbox ever become a popular uh, device? <laughs> you know, it was a great way for us to engage with the, what was called the future generation at the time, right? People like you and me. You know, I eventually became, you know, the, the career director of Windows XP, kind of helping it become more consumer centric you know, kind of rebranding Windows, uh, redoing the user interface of Windows with a big team. You know, I believed in computing so much that it needed to fit in your pocket that I went and joined a little company at the time called High Tech Computer and eventually became HTC. Uh, it's pr- perhaps most famous for building the world's first uh, half a dozen Android phones. I helped it build, uh, you know, for, for, for our friends in, in the U.S., uh, T-Mobile MyTouch, you know, for generations of MyTouch phones. For Android, uh, for for the Droid, for Verizon, uh, for a number of different Android phones across the across the world, uh, you know, I helped the company build it from a white label company to the world's number one uh, smartphone builder uh, in 2010, 2011. And as I looked around, I said, you know, is that going to be the most important thing? I just turned 40, and I was looking around and going, okay, is that what I'm going to spend the most of my life doing, or is something else more important? And just as, you know, technology has kind of improved uh, human productivity and efficiency, I really believe we're entering into the decade of, of electrification and sustainability. You know, how can you take energy and make it better and make it more sustainable so that we can all, I mean, it's, it's, it, you can't stop people from moving into the cities. That, that is going to happen over the next decade or two decades. But how do you? I remember everyone. Reason? Everyone thought that the the pandemic was going to change that, and it was like, yeah. no, nah, people yeah. will end up coming back. Don't worry, <laughs> because modern living is too good, right? Modern lifestyle is too good, right? It's too convenient, right? It's too attractive, and especially in in, in big cities across Asia, you know, there, there's twenty. Some people call twenty six, twenty seven mega cities around the world today. It's going to go by twenty thirty, probably about somewhere in the forties, right? According to the UN. It, there's a lot of cities that are they're going to get massively overpopulated. You can't stop that from happening. But how can you actually use technology to make those cities more sustainable? More, you know, sustainability is not about not taking minerals from the ground, not using resources. But how do you maximize the use of resources so you can actually extend the life as long as possible? Right. And that's what sustainability is. And as we enter into this decade of sustainability, you know, several of us looked around the table and said, you know, are we going to dedicate the rest of our career to do, quite honestly, smartphones and, and, and electronic devices? Or are we going to go apply our innovation and, and, and engineering effort toward making making life better? And that thesis has attracted, you know, it literally took me 20 minutes uh, in talking to a you know, a billionaire in Taiwan. His name is uh, Dr. Samuel Yin. Uh, he's perhaps most famous for uh, innovation in construction, as well as uh, starting the first hypermarket in China, beating out Walmart in China. Uh, it took me literally 20 minutes to talk to him and, and, and share with him my vision. And he's a 
do it. Let's do it. He's been my angel founder and supporter uh, all along the way. And then we, we, along the way, we also attracted, um, you know, great individuals like uh, former vice president Al Gore through his, uh, his investment fund called Generation that is based out of uh, San Francisco and also in, uh, in, in London that has joined up for years now supporting us and, and really believing in us. Uh, we got uh, Tamasic, the largest, one of the largest investment house uh, in, in Asia out of Singapore. And engine number one, you know, the guys that put, you know, three board, you know, independent board members into ExxonMobil, right? And the guys behind uh, GM's, you know, and championing GM's uh, electrification, they also joined up in this, uh, in this effort. Uh, as well as uh, the list goes on and on and on, as well as the world's, uh, you know, the iPhone maker, Foxconn, uh, you know, through our strategic partnership, they decide to also invest in in us uh, when, as we go public. So the roster has been a bunch of people that really has a uh, a long term view on sustainability. It's been flattering to 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 work with, you know, the who's who of the investment community. Yeah, it sounds it definitely is a roster of of some big names there. Um, so you mentioned a little bit about sustainability and raw materials, and, and that kind of segues to my next question. Like, what kind of headwinds are you concerned about? Because obviously, right now, a lot of news about you know access to raw materials and minerals and supply chain and things like that. So, so you know, what what kind of questions are you getting on that front? Because it seems like there's a lot of uncertainty out there right now. I mean, around the globe, not just with your company, but with like with almost every company. Yeah, I mean, the amount of you know what's amazing is that we took a topic of less is more. Uh, if you have not going to figure it out by now that we pick two wheelers because it takes less resources to become sustainable. It takes less resources for it to, you know, so for example, you know, we, there is about 9,000 battery cells inside, uh, inside a Tesla today. You know, we have, you know, less than 200 to power a, you know, a vehicle that is, that, that does its job within the city, right? About 125 cc to 150 cc performance. So the amount of electronics and resources it takes is very, very small. That's number one. It, 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 we do a lot more with less. Number two thing is, is we're actually a, um, being looked at as a game changer in this industry. So we get great support from people like LG, from, uh, from Samsung, SDI, from component makers to chip makers to, to manufacturing our, our, our system. You know, everybody's been there to, to help us because they see us as, you know, the the guys that 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 just got started and can take off and you know we are today if you think about swappable battery on lithium ion we are perhaps the world's uh, number one purchaser on on battery cell but that is in a fraction to what tesla buys today we, we probably don't even buy a quarter of a percent of what tesla buys when it comes to batteries today uh, but we're able to power half a million riders on the network so you know the amount of resources it takes helps us with solving that problem of instability in the in the economy. But you know it's just overall it, you know we, like like I was saying we're just getting started. You know going into markets like like China and Indonesia and India is going to change that of course because just the sheer size of it. So Taiwan has sold in the previous couple of years an average of about seven hundred thousand to eight hundred thousand two wheelers every year. But if you look at the region. Just in 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 China and India and Indonesia alone, more than sixty four million vehicles sold every year. So that's almost like a hundred times, hundred x. So it's a happy problem to have, right? You know, by that time, hopefully, you know, we'll have we'll face it. We're, we're going to face the music of shortage, right? Uh, but in the meantime, I think we're 
we're doing good. You know, of course, I'm not going to say no problem at all. Um, but, you know, I think we're able to solve those problems in, you know, in the foreseeable future. And speaking of happy problems, you know, one of the things I like to ask guests on the show is their, for their bold predictions. You know, anything they see, like, say, five to 10 years out, either about, you know, your market and, and, and what you're trying to achieve or just kind of, you know, for you, I'll ask you just the broader transportation market, maybe. Right. So, like, you know, what kind of things do you envision or, you know, dream about, you know, might be commonplace, you know, like I said, in that time frame, five to 10 years. Yeah. You know, I think it's, you know, consolidation will happen. You know, not everybody is going to be, you know, there's not going to be all these brands out there uh, of electric vehicles. And that's one of the things that we, we've done a good job, I think GoGirl has, in that we approach the problem as a platform. So remember when, when, when Android phones first started, you know, there was a Nexus phone, you know, with a, with a funny swivel, swivel keyboard uh, and, you know, a number of different, you know, kind of keyboard devices. Well, you know, I built a lot of those. Yeah. And, I, you know, I saw a world where, you know, let the, let the innovators and let the device maker build their own thing. But at the end of the day, they all come back to one uh, common denominator, which was the operating platform. And so for us, GoGirl is really building the vehicle uh, that is similar to the Nexus phone at the time. So we continue to push boundary and create new vehicles and new style, new, new design and new functionality, only to share those functionality with all our vehicle partners. A great example of that is we... Um, a couple of weeks ago, we you know, a couple of months ago actually, we uh, before the rainy season, we launched uh, what we call the rain mode. Uh, so we let vehicle, you know, let vehicles our our, our subscribers update their net, update their vehicle with uh, a rain mode option. So when you know when your phone sees that in where you're parked and where you're standing happens to be raining, it'll say when you unlock your vehicle, do you want to engage rain mode versus a regular high torque mode? You know, you say rain mode then. It helps your vehicle not skip and not slide in the in, in the in the rain in the wet in the wet ground, and that ability to to filter the vehicle is not only to to us, but also to you know the Yamaha vehicle, the Suzuki Taiwan vehicle, you know, and a number of other vehicle makers that now also has that functionality. You know, we built the first set of vehicles, enable uh, you know nine other vehicle makers to build their vehicles and then expand the models. So. You know, they now create 47 different models, you know, two wheelers, three wheelers, heavy duty, four battery one, two battery one, single battery one. So a variety to solve different problems. And I think that consolidation to a platform that builds with efficiency over time is where you're going to see, you know, where you're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of us moving toward. Well, great. I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing where where this whole marketplace, you know, takes shape because I find it you know, the perfect solution for, like you said, for kind of urban areas, high density areas where, you know, millions and billions of short trips. <laughs> so, yeah, I think four wheelers are great for, you know, for long haul. But, you know, as you think about, you know, these urban centers, I, what I call hyper commute, right? You got, you, you know, you've got to run like two miles one direction, not long enough to take a car, not short enough to walk. That's kind of where we live, the sweet spot in which we live. And the fact that two-wheelers are so massively adopted in these densely populated cities is where the opportunity lies. They are not going to get a place to charge. But if you're in the city, you know, Sean, if you're in front of me, right, and you, you're just plugged in and you're taking 20 minutes to charge, I'm standing at 20 minutes plus my 20 minutes. So that's kind of where the sweet spot we live in is, is, is the ability to provide for these, you know, these two-wheelers to, 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 to quickly swap and, and get on their way. 
and that hyper efficiency of that network, you know, and how we are best to to calculate when, where, and how much energy you're going to bring back and how much energy you're expecting is where GoGoRo lives. We know when you, you 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 know if I ask you where do you where do you, which gas station do you go to if you, you happen to own the gas car today which gas station you go to you probably can name the three or four and when do you go to that probably about the three or four times that you go every week right and so similarly we kind of use that data to create our mesh create our intelligence behind the network to do prediction who's going to come when are they going to come and then not take energy when they don't need energy. You know, the worst thing to do is charge these batteries and let them sit there. So we ju- we charge just in time. We distribute the right battery to the right user, right? And we can predict when you're going to come back and then, you know, and, and condition these batteries, do, you know, during the time in which it is in the rack. And that's kind of where we, where we are, you know, what the, what the consumer sees is a great, shiny, you know, kind of fun two-wheeler. You know, I'm a, you know, I, I went to school wanting to be an actuary. And insurance and probability, so that I get to do my dream job, which is really calculating probability of a network and creating the most efficient network there is in you know in electric mobility, and that's kind of where we where we're living today. Are you able to use some of that data? You're, you're talking about you know the riders and their usage of when they charge. Are you able to? Is there any vision to kind of use that to incentivize them to charge at a different time? You know, when the when the network's not so weighted down, there's not so much demand. Yeah, we have thing we call green pin. So in our app today, if you open our app, you'll see a whole bunch of dot 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 dots on the network, and they'll say tell you this network that you usually go to is great, but it's a little stressed. But if you're willing to make a right turn, just a couple you know couple hundred feet that direction, we'll give you a discount. It's all based on supply and demand, right? So you know I have stations that are large scale that has higher efficiency, that offer offer discount more more often. And then have smaller station that you have to pay regular price. And so we do, we do incentivize user based on that behavior because we know the prediction of when people are going to come. That's one thing we do. The other thing we also do is, you know, if you give us permission, we will actually help collect some of the data that you use. So for example, do you twist the throttle heavy? Do you squeeze your brakes hard? Do you turn on your blinkers before you make a turn? Those are all data that actually we can collect from your vehicle and then share with your insurance company so you can actually reduce your premium. So we do that also. Today, we go, you know, we take your kilometers that you've written and share with the insurance company. And we're working on taking even more to, 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 to reduce your premium. So a connected smart system offers more than just kind of clean propulsion. But also at the same time, we're talking about, you know, how do you actually make the user experience of owning an electric vehicle far better than that of gas? Right. Not only is it quicker, cleaner, but because it's smarter and more connected, you can actually have more functionalities and more around your, 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 your living circle. So, you know, you know, other services that we're bringing up with that data could be everything from location based advertising. If you're willing to go to 7-Eleven to swap a battery, maybe 7-Eleven will pay you something instead of, you know, going to, you know, one that is in the apartment building. Free, free um, Slurpees to, to grab a battery from Seven Eleven, <laughs> something like that, right? So you know the, the ability for us to use that to incentivize, you know, and and for our partners, they love traffic. They love to see that traffic come to their front door, you know, and 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 we can we can transfer that saving if if the consumer allows us to to to. And of course, there's a lot of privacy, a lot of 
you know, a lot of user, you know, acknowledgement and agreement that we need to we need to make sure we cross the T and dot the I's too. But you know, at the same time, you know, the possibility is endless as to what we can do with it with the system that is that is connected, upgradable. You know, not only is our station upgradable, so our station goes to you know goes to photo update or firmware upgrade, firmware upgrade, just like your smartphone does. You know, periodically. Our battery also do the same. Think about battery as a smartphone. We all, a lot of us came out of smartphone space. So think about our battery as a, as a smartphone without a screen, but a huge battery behind it. That's kind of how programmable it is. And then vehicles are also programmable and upgradable. So I can actually program the station, station then program the battery, battery then program the vehicle, and, and, and vice versa. I can dispatch patches to the, to the network as well as I can collect information back up to the network, uh, you know, real time if we wanted to. So it's a it's a very sophisticated system that you know that we've been able to to today um, been able to 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 kind of develop and and made you know made very efficient in Taiwan. And the next step for us is really to take this and cookie cut with our partners into all these other regions that we're we're talking about. Yeah, and just one comment on the on the data going to insurers. You know, I, I don't know if the evil Knievel drivers out there will like that. <laughs> They're going to probably want, not want you to share that with their insurance company. <laughs> yeah, well, and they can opt out. They can opt out. They don't need to, right? They can, they, you know, only only upon the, you agreeing to share with the insurance company. Yeah, I got insurance you. Insurance <laughs> the data, right? So yeah, the evil Knievels of the world don't want to share that, and that's great. Yeah, you know? or they do. I don't know. You know. <laughs> Any other topics you want to cover? You know, one of the most interesting thing, you know, about your your uh, you know your your channel here and your listener is you know is around sustainability, right? Sustainability is not just in you know mobility itself. Our batteries are able to power you know all sorts of different things. Think of us as you know you know you have the you have the D cell battery and and then you got the super sized GoGo batteries, but just really think of us as portable batteries that can power innovation. And in, you know, can, can it be useful camping? Maybe one day kind of retire them from mobility, you know, and then replenish, you know, it with new batteries onto the network and upgrade the consumer. You know, we can actually take these batteries and reapply them to different things. Sustainability is about not just, you know, electric vehicle is fun, of course, but it's really about how do you actually use these energy system and put it everywhere, you know, and, 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 and have it easily accessible to to the masses and today we've we've done that with you know with, with transportation we've done with infrastructure we're even powering uh and backing up uh 5g deployment uh in you know in in cities uh where you know these uh these you know pico towers actually need uh power backup because you know the, the power might go out so we're we're there to to really take energy and put that into better use, into portable use, into swappable use. That's how we should really think of us. Mobility is only one sector, but of course, mobility is a gigantic sector uh, that everybody's talking about today. But if you roll forward 20 or 30 years from now, it's really about battery distributed everywhere within the city. And how do you make these batteries more accessible, safer, more connected and upgradable and updatable and accessible? And that's kind of what Google is working on. Well, it sounds like very exciting times. I got to tell you, um, I'm fascinated by what GoGoRo is doing and, and how the, what the future looks like for you and the company. So thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it, Horace. Hey, thank you. Well, that's our show for today. 
If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends and colleagues. And be sure to follow us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at RenewablesPod. And if you'd like a daily dose of renewable news delivered to your inbox, head to SmartBrief.com and sign up for the Renewable Energy Smart Brief. The Renewable Energy Smart Pod is a production of SmartBrief, a future company. Thank you.